0: Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with
1: Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. Summit
0: the is Fish that was Summertime from Herbie Hancock here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me here on Jazz FM. This is, of course, the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. And my business shaper today is Lucinda Bruce-Gardine. She is the founder and product director, she tells me, of Genius Foods. They are apparently the UK's leading gluten-free brand and one I've tasted myself. And you're going to be hearing a lot from her and all about her £40 million plus business. In addition to hearing from Lucinda, you'll also be hearing from our program partners at Mishkondarea, some words of advice for your business, and on top of all of that, some brilliant music from the Shapers of Jazz Soul and Blues, including the OJs, Albert King, Leanne Carroll, and this from Bobby Womack. That was Across 110th Street from Bobby Womack. Lucinda Bruce-Gardine is my business shaper today and she is the founder of... Genius foods and genius foods are rather genius actually because they're all about being gluten free but tasting absolutely amazing. And some of you, many of you, probably will have sampled her wares at some point because they're available in most good supermarkets. Um, I know from personal experience. Lucinda, thank you very much for joining me.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me here.
0: Now, you're um, apparently, uh, according to my sources, someone who came into the food business um, via a, a slightly circuitous route. Um, you wanted to be a doctor? Yep. Is this true? Yes. Uh, uh, how did you um, end up moving from a degree in, in physiology to uh, exploring the passion that you had for food? And then let's talk a bit later about wh- where that led and how you decided to set your own business up.
2: Well, um, my family were were very much in the catering trade, and the food trade. Um, my my granddad's family started Lyons Bakery and, you know, the family had all worked in... Um, in Lyons for, for years and years and years and knew just how difficult um, the food industry um, and catering was. Food was always my absolute top, top priority in life. Um, our family life revolved around food. We'd have long family lunches. Um, that was my happiest experience of being a child, really, was sitting around a table with family, eating a delicious meal. And it was always my passion, but I was um, I loved science. I always wanted to sort of look after people in some way and i felt really that i should go and do medicine i felt that would be a really good vocation for me um, when i started my physiology degree I, in fact my unfortunately my mother died um in my a level years and so my a levels weren't quite as great as they should have been so i did physiology rather than medicine, medicine yep. and you know to then go on and do medicine after that and um, while I was at university, I just thought, no, you know, I love my physiology. I love science, but I know that food is what I should be in. So when I left university, um, you know, with with my degree, which is really important to get that behind me, um, I went to Leith School of Food and Wine, um, did a nine month course there um, in London. And uh, it was just the best thing I'd ever done. There was a, At the time, um, the school was attached to a pub. And we'd all go and sit in the pub afterwards and just talk food until we were all thrown out at midnight every single day. Because all of us were just so impressed and, and so delighted to be with lots of other foodies. And it was a really happy time. Um, and then after after that, um, I went to Bibendum, um, because I felt that I really needed to hone... The skills I'd learned. This is in um, Brompton
0: Cross in London.
2: Uh, Fulham it's on the Fulham, Fulham Road. Road yes. yes, and spent a year at Babendum really honing my skills and really learning what it was to be a, a chef and to be just surrounded by food for sixteen hours a day. You know, um, and it, that was a great. That's really where it all kicked off.
0: Uh, and and after that, um, I believe you got a job in Tuscany.
2: Yes, yeah, so after I worked at Bibendum, I then went um, to Tuscany because I wanted to learn more about Italian food. I wanted to learn how to make Italian bread. I was always fascinated by bread because it's living. You know, the moment you put yeast into it, the bread becomes a living being, really. And you have to look after it and care for it to make it do what you want it to do. So I went to Tuscany, um, spent six months cooking for American and UK art and architecture tourists in, in, um, in Umbria. Um, and in Tuscany and um, spent all my time making bread, making Tuscan and Umbrian food uh, for all these guests and learnt a great deal um, about Italian food and um, the effect of weather on bread. It's incredible. On a stormy day, the bread doesn't rise. And on a sunny, blue-sky day, the, ri- the bread would rise beautifully. And, and I just became more and more obsessed with the bread.
0: Find out where that obsession led next with my business shaper, Lucinda Bruce Gardine. Time for some music. This is Leanne Carroll and Big Yellow Taxi. The
2: Paradise put up a parking lot with a bit more tail than a
0: swing That was Big Yellow Taxi from Leanne Carroll. Lucinda Bruce Cardine is my business shape today. She's the founder of Genius Foods, and it's a gluten free business and it's growing quite significantly. Tell me a little bit before I move into what happened after Tuscany. Um, tell me a little bit about what Genius is, if people aren't aware of exactly what it is. I mean, I know, but what do you? What's, what, how would you describe it if you well, haven't seen it?
2: Well, Genius Foods um, is the UK's leading brand in gluten-free. We also, um, we we, we specialise in gluten-free bakery products because bakery products are the most difficult uh, foods to make without gluten. Um, And so what we're trying to do is bring convenience to people who choose to live on a gluten-free diet or have to live on a gluten-free diet by making the inconvenient stuff, the stuff that's really hard to make.
0: And making it taste nice.
2: And making it taste the the taste is everything. Um, yeah. People who have to live without gluten, um, or, or or feel they feel a lot better without gluten, they deserve more than most to be able to eat a really. Great tasting slice of bread, and enjoy it, and feel normal.
0: Now, actually, I suppose when you start looking at the equation, if you like, behind the 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 success of of genius, there's the person who studied physiology that that might well have been a doctor. On the one side, there's someone who's passionate about food. There's someone who went to arguably one of the homes of the places where you make bread, and then you ran your own uh, catering business, I believe, for quite a few years. You've written about food. You're obviously, and you said it early, and I was a foodie. And those moments those happy moments were with the Mm -hmm. family. All of that ha- could come together for some people and, and make nothing, but for you, a couple of things crystallised, didn't they, when you were looking to, I mean, you know, the, the idea behind Genius was actually you having an issue yourself with one of your children. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
2: I'd already written the techniques bible for Leith School of Food and Wine, which is all about the behaviour of ingredients. I wrote that with a with another. Those another badly behaved there. ingredients. I'm going to show them his boss. <laughs> exactly yeah. what they're doing. What they're actually doing in your food, yeah. when the food goes wrong, how you put it right, when you have to chuck it in the bin, why you use particular um, sorts of meat for you know certain sorts of cooking, what flour is doing in the white sauce. Um,
0: Pretty involved stuff.
2: And what it's doing in bread, because it, yeah. you know, flour is incredible. It's the most versatile of ingredients. Um, so, I so I, I'd already used my love of food and my love of science together in that book for Leiths, um, and that's really where it all became uh, began. And when I when I was writing that book, I had I had my first two children. So my first child um, is is very dairy allergic. He's severely allergic to the protein in milk. Um, so very quickly we already realised we had to live without dairy as a family if we wanted to eat the same food and then by the time I'd just about finished the book and it was about to be published we realised that my second son was gluten intolerant <laughs> and and so suddenly it was yikes, you know, here I am I'm a trained chef and I've got to learn how to cook for my family again I, I you know I don't know how to cook for my family and I felt that the best way to do that was to write a book. And so I wrote How to Cook for Food Allergies, which was my second book. And that was all about substituting ingredients in cooking. Um, so if you're making a Victoria sponge cake, for example, um, it shows you how to take the wheat flour out and use um, ground almonds, rice flour and corn flour in its place to get exactly the same effect because the philosophy of my book and my philosophy that I live by is that I want my family to eat normally I want to be able to make one meal that we can share with everybody I don't want to be running a cafe at home I don't want my children to be fussy and faddy and by that and and for that reason I, I, I must cook normally and eat the same
0: Find out what happened next because actually what happened next was I think something that really defines you and, and you marking you out from someone who may have stopped there and just helped the family versus someone who really wants to go and create something and share it with the wider world. Ladies travel coming up in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea.
1: Hi, I'm Joanna Blackburn and I'm head of the employment department at Mishkondorea. Today I just want to cover a few points that small employers might need to think about when dealing with employee problems at work. There's been a lot of talk in the press recently about changes in legislation relating to the ability to dismiss employees. Uh, Proposals put forward by Adrian Beecroft with the idea that uh, small employees and micro-employers may be able to entertain the idea of no-fault dismissals of employees. In fact, the government's not going to be pursuing that idea but it does give rise to a common concern for employers about how they manage their staff and particularly how they manage dismissals. Employers often think that dismissing employees is an extremely difficult process, one fraught with cost and expense and needing a lot of involvement of lawyers. In fact, that doesn't have to be the case. The most important thing for all employers to do is to actively manage their employees. Be honest when the employees are not performing, pick up those problems and discuss them with the employees and record those conversations. The difficulties arise where there have been problems with an employee for quite some time that have not been raised with the employee and not been documented. In fact, for all employers now who've employed somebody after the 1st of April this year, the position is that the employee does not have unfair dismissal rights for two years. Employees uh, employed before that date have rights after a year. But that's a pretty long time in which to assess whether or not an employee is making the grade. And if you decide within that period, before unfair dismissal rights kick in, that the employee isn't going to work for you, getting rid of them is actually pretty straightforward as long as there are no other complicating factors, such as pregnancy or discrimination laws or whistleblowing laws brought into play. But even in circumstances where you may be nervous about dismissing an employee, Having done your groundwork and having properly documented your issues will enable you to deal with the employee in a relatively straightforward way that protects your business and allows you to get on with business.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkonda Rea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, 9am, do join me. I talk to some fantastic people who are shaping the world of business. My business shaper today is Lucinda Bruce-Gardine. She's the founder of Genius Foods um, and that's the business which basically enables you to have wonderful tasting food that doesn't have any gluten in it. How about that for a clever idea? Lucinda, we were talking about the fact that one of your children had dairy allergy. You just got your head around that and then the other one decides to have a gluten allergy and you write a book essentially for people that want to cook for kids with allergies you started you were telling me before about the fact you didn't want a cafe at home and any parent with children with different needs I have a vegetarian amongst my four will know that it can become a nightmare and you do have to somehow compromise and conform without you know all the the, the mess around it you, you, it sounds like you wanted to share what you had or rather that you felt that other people would probably be experiencing the same thing as you that led you to something else didn't it
2: yeah absolutely I just I, I felt that if I as a chef as a trained chef, was struggling with, with feeding my son. You know, the dairy was okay, the gluten was not, because bread is in everything, flour is in everything. It's nearly every meal you have you have wheat in some form. Um, that was a real struggle, and I felt if I was struggling, there must be many other people out there too who were in a worse position than me, and that's where, that's where I really felt I needed to write the book, and then on the back of that come up with a bread that everyone could enjoy
0: now you came up with the bread but then you did something else which i think is what marks you out as someone who kind of wants to make something happen but i believe if this is true that you went off to your local branch of sainsbury's and you got the buyer to taste your wares is that true
2: it's true yes um, and they
0: liked it and they said carry on what did they tell you? Is that what they said? You're good. Was it like a little, was it a patronising pat on the head or was it a bit more than that?
2: Well, no, because they already had my book on the shelves. Okay. So I wasn't a mad housewife. You know, I actually went in with a little gravitas. Well, you bit might be, gravita- well, but you also had, had some housewife. credibility. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't, you, can't, you can't go say it. not okay. the two things are totally different.
2: Yes. So but they uh, believed I had you. some gravitas. Yes. They, they had my book they could see that I'd created something yep. over eighteen months, you know, that that really was different. It was a fresh, soft, tasty loaf of bread when um, the bread available on the shelves at the time was dry, crumbly and had a very, very long shelf life and was quite often shrouded in layers and layers of packaging and was highly unappetizing.
0: So you went there and you showed it to them, which is one thing, but then something else happened as well, I believe. One of the fathers of one of your friends your your children's friends, who's a celiac Um, happened to be someone who was kind of uh, a person that knew a few things
2: yes well the supermarket were impressed and they actually put me in touch with a bakery uh, literally 40 minutes down the road which was just incredible because when you live in scotland you're a long way away from many things a lot of lot happens in the south and the fact that i had a bakery just down the road when i had three small children was hugely helpful so that was fate and indeed the other fateful turn really was that um, every day I would drop my little boy off at school and one of the fathers um, in the changing room would say, uh, you know, how's the bread? How's the bread? He'd ask every single day, how's your bread? How's your bread? And I'd say, Bill, you can try it when it's ready. And he had to wait for three years to try my bread.
0: And this is Bill Gamble, so, yes. Sir Bill Gammel, CEO of Cairn Energy. Yes. Um, He liked the bread, and it's a bit like the Remington ad. So impressed was he that he wanted to invest in the business.
2: He rang me up um, very shortly after trying the bread. I dropped well when it was finally ready. I'd finally scaled it up with the bakery that Sainsbury's had told me about. Um, I dropped some bread round to his house because I knew I could make it. I wasn't going to give him something out of my kitchen. Um, And he rang me the following day and said, Lucinda, you know. I can pretty much have whatever I like. I'm the CEO of k and Energy. Um, you know, he said it in a very nice way. He said, but the one thing in life I can't have is bread. I'm a celiac and this will change my life and it will change the lives of many other people like me. And I would really like to invest in your business um, and in- introduce you to people who can take this to market. You know, you've obviously got um, great talent in product development, but you you don't have all of the all the skills that you need to take a product to market. And I I agreed and very much liked him and thought, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it.
0: Which is where application and luck suddenly became very happy bedfellows. You'll be hearing a lot more about what happened next. It's pretty brilliant too. Um, With my business shaper, Lucinda, Bruce Cardine. Stay with me. Time for some music in the meantime. It's the OJs with Backstacks. That was Backstabbers from the OJs. Lucinda Bruce is my business shaper. We were talking about that moment when um, Bill, Sir Bill, decided actually it's going to change his life and he went, Here are some people I need, you know, that, you, that can help you. At that moment, Genius was born. I mean, yes. you, did you have a name for the business at that point?
2: No, we all sat in a darkened room, all of the people that he'd introduced me to. Um, and we. We came up with some dreadful names, one of which was Cinder, which we promptly got rid of.
0: That was a lucky move, Glucinda. <laughs> <Yes.
2: laughs> um, and and we finally came to the conclusion that Genius was the right name because it reflected the, the, hard, the sheer hard work and thought that had gone into developing the product.
0: And also just from the user's point of view, the consumer's point of view, it's a genius idea. I can have bread, but it's not going to make me feel absolutely, I mean, yep. I, that's something I can't have. Exactly. This is five years ago. You then, and obviously Bill and the other investors, I imagine, helped then surround you with the people in from packaging from distribution, from a, a kind of factory piece and the whole capital expenditure you need to invest and in, what you shouldn't yes. do and banks and all of those things. Were there many, many advisors or were there just a few that, that surrounded you that were very instrumental in all of this?
2: Well, at, at the beginning, really, we were a very small team. Uh, there were about eight of us. Um, so we had a, you know, we had our CEO who was a, a, a brand expert, um, Jervis Cottem, and um, we had a packaging lady who was fantastic.
0: Did you choose all these um, people, or were they the introduced? Market, and how well, did it? They
2: were actually introduced to me by by Bill. He'd he, he'd known them for a long time and trusted them, um, and, and, all that. and trusted them <laughs> implicitly, and and felt that they were the right team to, to to surround me, and and they absolutely were. It was fantastic working with them. Um, and you know, thanks to the great work we did, um, we launched the bread um, in 2009 uh, to the most unbelievable response from consumers.
0: Well, you've won lots of awards as well, haven't you? Yes. I mean, this, this has helped you be Entrepreneur of the Year, I believe, with EY and hold on, all these other amazing accolades. I think uh, PwC thought you were rather clever too. Glenn Fiddick sort of said the same. I mean, uh, best Best New Product Award in 2012 um, for the Seeded Loaf and so on and so forth. I mean, amazing stuff. Do you look back now, and it's only a few years, do you look back now and say, how did I do that? Or is it kind of, no, it's just been so many incremental steps that you haven't really noticed?
2: Um, I look back, I think developing the bread on my own in my kitchen at home, I had no distractions. And it was very, very hard because I was very tired as a mum looking after three children with no help. So that was really hard. The bit that was really incredible was when we when I was working with that initial team to to actually turn my product that i'd made in my kitchen at home into something that we could sell in supermarkets, and such a small team there were eight of us basically took. Launched the most incredibly successful product, um, where we we became um, UK free from leader in the the period of about two months on the back of a brown loaf and a white loaf. You know we went from no, no loaves to ten thousand loaves a month in the bakery, um, and and the response from consumers was quite astounding. It was quite difficult to keep up with the demand.
0: We'll have our final chat with Lucinda Plus play track from the blues' great Albert King. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Rea. It's business, but it's personal. It wasn't for bad luck You know I won't have no luck at all That was born under a bad sign from the legendary Albert King. Lucinda bruce Gardiner is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. And we've been talking about all sorts of things, how physiology and chemistry and science has morphed um, with a person who's pretty obsessive, is pretty passionate, who also understands um, and knows how to, I guess, exploit the wrong word, but kind of do something with a problem. Because often I talk to my, my, my guests are people that have seen a problem and wanted to fix it. Looking forward to your business now as you're going to shape it in the next few years, what are the kinds of problems you're looking to solve?
2: Well, we're now in a very different position. So five years on, we now own the bakery that I first approached with my loaf of bread, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. And I have to pinch myself when I walk in there to think, wow, you know, we now own this bakery. So it's now about keeping a bakery, you know, going 24-7, you know, day in, day out. I think we, we we shut, we close for two days a year over Christmas, and that's it. And and so it's a grinding business that just goes on and on. And there's never an end to it. So um, what we, what we hope to do over the next uh, two to three years is obviously expand our business. Um, You're already abroad, can. aren't you? We're we're in um, we're in Europe now, and we've just launched um, uh, ten products in France. We're in Spain. We're in the Middle East. We're in Australia.
0: And you've also got your kind of equivalent of the concessions because you've got a few things in Café Nero, haven't you? We
2: do. We have we have roles in, in Café Nero, uh, which is selling very well. Um, because, and, and the great thing about that, um, it gives people convenience when they're out and about. They don't have to worry about leaving the house without a sandwich. They can go into Café Nero and get their sandwich. We're also in, in pharmacy as well um, because many of our uh, consumers um, may be retired um, and can't afford the slightly higher prices for gluten free. So it's very important that we are available on 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 the NHS as well.
0: So so it sounds like I mean just from a standing start to a forty million pound turnover business, and there's more to come. You look remarkably relaxed and on top of things. Have you got a? You talk about the first set of team, if you like. Is there a new set? Are there more of them? I mean, how are you managing to look like you're, you don't have a care in the world? <laughs> Are you one of those because. people that's paddling v- viciously <laughs> underneath? I just can't I'm, see.
2: I'm I'm paddling viciously underneath. I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. But I am very lucky. I have the most incredible team around me. I really do. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a business. Uh, you know, I I I do lots and lots of product development. Um, I, you know, I, I spend a great deal of time with with the product team.
0: What's the best bit for you still after now five years into this fresh young business?
2: Um, my best bit is my Friday MPD meeting where I get together with the product team and we look at um, where we are in, in, in the, the life of developing a product and what we're going to do to it next.
0: And how many different products do you have now across the range?
2: Uh, we have 30 products in the market.
0: And you plan to just do as many as you need to do we that fulfil the different we needs? We do.
2: And so, but, but in order to do that, you need the most incredible team around you to, 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 to bring it to life
0: brilliant stuff um do you still write or have you stopped is that is there no time to write anymore
2: um at the moment i'm not writing but watch this space
0: yeah i have a feeling there's another one coming (laughs) listen it's been lovely to talk to you just before i let you go what's your song choice and why have you chosen it
2: um i've chosen nina simone's mr bojangles because i think it really reflects the struggle we all go through just keeping our heads above water in life and the struggle you go through when you're trying to achieve your goals
0: Thank you very much. This is Mr. Bojangles from Nina Simone.
1: I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you. In worn out shoes with silver hair, a ragged shirt,
2: and baggy pants. Your soft shoes.
0: That was Mr. Bojangles from Nina Simone, the song choice of my business shaper today, Lucinda Bruce Gardine, the founder of Genius Foods. What a calm person, someone who was really an expert in the scientific side of the business and someone who matched that with a passion for making food that tasted good and that resolved most critically a problem. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, stay with us here on Jazz FM. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz
2: FM, in partnership with Rea, It's business, but it's personal.